Greetings, Quester, and welcome to the Meddlesome Meeples. Grab an ale, sheathe your axe, and join us fireside. Here's your host, Matt Williams, with Richard and Heather. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Medicine Meeples. I'm Matt. I'm Richard. I'm Heather. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, that sets the tone for today, doesn't oh, it? Sorry. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to be talking about games, books and music today, mm-hmm. as well as a big discussion on speedsters and who would win in a race between Sonic the Hedgehog, Quicksilver and The Flash. Oh, yeah. So, cool. Richard, what games are we going to be talking about? Discworld, Ankh-Morpork, Pork, the game of Blame as well. And I'll be doing the music news by myself this week because Heather's quite poorly, as you can tell. Oh, fine. But she's here. <laughs> she's here. <laughs> I'm, I'm keeping on <laughs> She's appearing in the video just to prove that she is, in fact, alive and, mm. and still with us. She should be holding the paper, really, today's paper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am alive. Today's the first, is it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bank holiday. It is a bank holiday. Yes. Yay! And we're here. <laughs> mm, we still work. If well, we just talk around the table anyway. Yeah. <laughs> no one talks around a table harder than we do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> phrasing. Is that a phrasing? No. No. Okay. No. Is it a giggity? If you want. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. I think he needs his hat, doesn't he? No, it's not time for the hat of infinity yet. What's everyone been doing this week? Uh, I did some citizen science stuff. Yeah. On the Zooniverse website, where at first I was doing like telemetry stuff, deep space kind of trying to look for asteroids and things in the infrared, but that's pretty difficult. So the other thing I was doing was identifying what animals had wandered in front of cameras in the Amazon. They do need help with that. It's pretty cool. Are you a, hang on, is that like an Amazonian peep show? Uh, no. No, it's more scientific than that. So, um, what's yeah. wrong with you today? He's like this every day. It's just normally he turns it down for the camera, but I don't know yeah. what's happened. <laughs> um, stop, stop bad mouthing the internet. <laughs> no, I'm no, joking, no. There's just science on the internet. Okay. So well, it's, yeah, good to, um, it's good to know that the internet is a bastion of science. Yeah. Well, what they do is just outsource it to people that can volunteer to help, and it's actually quite interesting because like, like computers... Wikipedia for animal pictures no because they've got all these um, they've got loads and loads of data basically mm-hmm. that computers can't sift through on their own because they can't recognise patterns and uh, like identify what an animal is just from the picture whereas with our human brains we find it easy so basically just I find it's quite interesting to help with that kind of thing and if a few thousand people just do a few pictures at a time then it gets done and, yeah, and that's what I've been doing well the last few weeks, really. <laughs> well, I'm glad. It's good to know that you've been doing something for the benefit of humanity. Mm, yeah, so what cool. have you been doing, Matt? I went to see the Guardians of the Galaxy too. <laughs> right, <laughs> nice. Which well, was a good use of my time. Mm, yeah. yeah. I, took I was going we to say, I night. went as well. Yes. Yeah. Nice. We went to see that. It was good. Um, mm. a, more zany and more out there than the first one. Mm-hmm. That's cool, though. Out it there is. in space. Out there in space. Um but it's more, as I say, it's more zany. Some of the ideas and the concepts of it mm-hmm. are a little bit uh, crazier than the, the even were for the first film. Right. But 
It worked. Well, it was. Yeah, yeah. It if was any good. Space film's gonna be crazy. Then it's that one really. Yeah, <laughs> it was still funny. Saw some good trailers as well. Was what saw the trailer for Justice League, mm-hmm. which oh, looked really those. good. Yeah. Wonder Woman, which still the trailer for that didn't impress me that much. Well, it's not gonna be as good, is it? Because it's just one part of the Justice yeah. League. <laughs> Actually, I, I quite liked it. But I'm girl. It looked so. quite interesting. <laughs> I thought, but you know, the, when you have the film that's got like loads of halos mm. in it then mm. the one that's just one of them does seem a little bit flat compared to yeah. the rest of them really we, we, i kind of want there to be like a massive earth-shattering adventure and then it's but it's in world war one isn't it which is well, quite interesting it's kind of like uh, they've taken the idea of captain america's mm. uh first first film and decided to do a similar sort of story but with wonder woman yeah but wonder woman did start out in the war didn't she was it yeah. world war Two though in the comics yeah, yeah so. so i mean it, i don't get me wrong I, I will definitely be seeing it i mean i loved linda carter as as wonder woman it's hard to imagine someone else doing the role i've already seen it but it's good well you've seen it in um batman versus superman haven't you? yeah yeah i oh, still yeah. think in a way that marina baccarin would have been the better choice oh no no <laughs> no unless no, she might look the part in a photo but I don't, not in a film. Well, I think she would definitely look with your own photoshopping. Yeah. So, well, that's, we know how I'm going to be spending my evening later. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I just took paracetamol. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's going really weird. (laughs) Well, this is what happens when you take painkillers. You have, you imagine me and Richard having really weird conversations. Mm. So, yeah, we, that, uh, that looked good. The new trailer for Alien as well. The new Alien, Alien film? Yeah, Alien, Alien Covenant. Covenant. Well, that's that, the one I'm actually looking forward to. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that as I well. I love Prometheus. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's what we've been mostly up to, haven't we? You've not, you've not been well. You've been getting re- ready for an operation yeah, later but this week. Yeah, but my butterflies all died. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh we no. had yes. been a bad week. Well, there was the yes. massacre of the butterflies. <laughs> and it ended yesterday. You want to <laughs> tell Richard what happened? Well, between Tyrion and the cats, they all kind of died one by one. One got frightened under a radiator, which was horrible. So did Tyrion just let them out? He let them out into Perrin's room, and one was found behind a radiator. I found... Crispy. Yeah. One ended up in the bath, somehow. Wet Um, and drowned. One escaped out the window and came back, and then the cat got it. (laughs) And one we managed to keep... We managed to... um, kind of keep it came back but oh, we, let, we let it out yesterday because we thought it so was one, of, get one of them survived yeah. that's kind yeah. of a right ratio for yeah. nature and I've got one more one now five. <laughs> yeah. oh you got some more yeah, got, got more caterpillars, caterpillars, caterpillars. Yeah. oh so you can look forward to more butterflies yes. yeah <laughs> <laughs> these ones yeah. might survive long enough to make it on camera yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to try and bring you guys butterflies <laughs> <laughs> it's what we do now apparently <laughs> <laughs> But we're going to talk about games and stuff as well. Yes, and Time Talk this week's going to be Richard's going to be talking about oh uh, Space Ranger, Space Ranger, <laughs> one of the Asimov books, one of his earlier ones. Kind in of fact. a well, to me it seems like a, a lost kind of one because it's not one that I really knew about before. But I was just thinking of saying yeah, it's it's one of his lesser known novels, isn't mm, it? Yeah, well, it, it was just interesting to read this week. That's yeah. why I wanted to talk about it. And yeah, since I have a platform for talking about books, then I'm going to do it. Never give a man a platform. <laughs> <laughs> so, and in obviously in the bar's corner, I'll be doing it by myself this week because Heather's not well. But um, I'll be talking about new albums from Wa- Warrant and Harem Scarum, and I'll also be talking about tour dates for FM and Snake Charmer. So we've got all that to look forward to. Thank you, for, thank you, and enjoy the show. 
So now on the quest report, we're going to be talking about uh, Game of Blame. Now, Game of Blame is all about shirking your duty. It's mm-hmm. a card game for two to four players. So Richard, tell us something about this game. Yeah, it sounds like it would be a very easy game to play, <laughs> doesn't it? If all you have to do is shirk your responsibility. But the important thing about it is that you have to make sure the blame lands with the other person. Yeah. And now we, we played this. Work, then, for most. <laughs> yeah. So we did play this two player, didn't we? And that that had a certain dynamic to it. But then when we played it three player with Heather as well, um, it kind of changed a lot because yeah. there were there was two different people you could blame. <laughs> and, uh, so basically, yeah, it is it is a card game, and you have a role. Now these get dealt out at the beginning, and just a, a few examples. There's the explorer, the tender, inquisitor. Uh, assassin, necromancer, tyrant. Each of which has its own ability, doesn't it? Yeah, and each of them has their own different coloured symbol. Like, um, if you just see here, the explorer one is yellow, the pretender one is green. Now, the cards that we have in our hands while we're playing this also have different symbols, but there's more than one for each of them. So, if we just take this as an example, zombie invasion that would be the one that i first take out that's not a, something you want to get blamed for yeah that's it so that's a bad day at the office yeah so this one has both red and purple as a symbol there so you could put this one down onto the pile as long as the last one that's down there had either a, uh, yeah, a red always, or a purple you have to always match the cut yeah color that's down already unless it's match. one of the treason ones which counts as all six yeah oh. treason's kind of the wild card yeah so what happens is you will be putting cards down into this pile in the middle. Now this pile is the pile of blame. Mm. So this is what you're adding to each turn. And depending how many cards you put down, there's different effects happen. Mm. Um, if you can't put any cards down, then you have to draw three mm. from the draw pile. Well, you can choose to do that as well, can't you? Don't. Well, yeah, it doesn't yeah. have to be if you can't. But drawing three cards is generally a bad thing. You don't want to have cards in your hand. Basically, you want the all these cards are blame. Yeah. You want to have the blame out of your hand and into the pile in the middle. Because there's no hand limit, so you can just keep ending up with tons of cards. Yeah. In your you hand. end up with absolutely loads, and like it just feels bad to have this much blame yeah. in your hands, doesn't it? Which is kind of so, counterintuitive, I find, because yeah. quite often in a lot of games. If you've got a handful of cards, you're like, oh, yeah, I've got so many choices of what I can do on my turn. Mm. Whereas with this, of course, you don't want those. Because if, if at the end of the game, you've got loads of cards in your hand and they've got the symbols that fall into your area of authority at the game. Because as we say, the role keeps changing. I don't think we did say that, but it does. Yeah, yeah. your role will keep changing during the game. Mm. Um, so the role you start with won't necessarily be the one you end with. Yeah. And if you've got loads of cards that relate to that role, You've you are going to be in trouble. You could be with hung, drawn, queen. and quartered, and exiled. <laughs> yeah, that's. that's Actually, no, you're not going to hung, hung, drawn, and quartered, and exiled. You get you exiled to exiled. perdition, don't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's very bad anyway. What's happened? If that's if you have more than ten points. So basically, the points are bad, the cards are yeah. bad, and that's just what you I want to. You want to be the to... low scoring at the end, isn't it? Yeah, it's like golf. So we have. <laughs> you end up Except with all these way cards. Cooler. <laughs> yeah. And you don't have to wear silly trousers <laughs> yeah but there's a lot of blaming just like in golf yeah, yeah yeah right so yeah we're making this pile in the middle and what happens if you 
Oh, I can't follow what I said now. If you put no cards down, then you have to draw three, and that's bad. If you put one card down, you can draw only one card. Yeah. So that's not too bad. If you put two cards down, then you have to switch roles. Mm. And uh, generally, it's the roles that were on the last card that got put down. So in this case, with this backfiring battle ones... You'd swap the red roll and the blue roll. you swap the red and the blue. Um, if it was a treason card, you get to pick which ones you swap. Because it can be your role, or it could be another player's role. Yeah. Now, the way that I kept annoying you when we were playing it was that I kept using the wizard role, which is a blue one. Now, on this one, because uh, each of these roles, despite it just having the colour that represents different uh, ones of these cards, it also has a special ability. And the wizard's one is when you play two cards, instead of swapping roles, um, you can exchange your hand with another player. Mm. So basically, I just collected a load of really terrible cards and then used my wizard ability to swap them with Matt yeah. and get his amazing hand that he's been looking after <laughs> and keeping it really low from blame for this time. Yep, that was so annoying. That did keep happening. It was a good move, it. but it was annoying. <laughs> yeah. So that, in that way, you can kind of use the roles. Now, as we mentioned, the roles do change. So mm. when you put two cards down, you can change roles. So mm. it says in the rules, doesn't it? Don't get too attached to what yeah, role you're playing you will be because it changing. will change. Yeah, so it's all a little bit fluid in, in that way. And One of the main things in this is accusing a player. Yeah. You get that's to point at someone to. and go, Shaccuse! Yeah, <laughs> we, we shouted that a lot when we played it. And that is when you put down three cards. So we've gone yeah. down through what happens when you put no cards, one card, two cards. If you put three cards down, which is the maximum, then you have to accuse somebody else. And when it was a two-player game, that was just us accusing each other yeah. the whole time. But when we were playing with Heather as well, you could kind of pick who you want to accuse. And basically what happens then is we look at the pile of blame cards that are in the middle. We count how many have the different coloured symbols. And whoever has, well, because obviously we have our roles. So yeah. say you were the green, I was the purple, and Heather was the yellow. If there was more, but it, uh, would it, if it would only you're only counting up the person that's been accused, and the yeah, accuser, yeah, that's it. So you're so looking for two. That, that's why you pick who you've colours. accused. Yeah. yeah. So if it, if you were the green, and I was the purple, then if it ended up being mostly green, then you would have to take all the cards that yeah. were in the middle. That's so taking the blame. Yeah, so that's why that pile in the middle is the blame. So you end up with a massive hand of blame cards. And yeah, when but if you... you accuse somebody and you win, then you can bury one of your secrets, can't you? It's called burying secrets yeah. where you take a card from the cards in your hand yeah. and you can put it under your roll card and that doesn't count towards your Basically own Basically takes them out of the game, yeah. doesn't it? So those cards are out of the game at that point. So if, you're go if you've got loads out of your colour, then you want to kind of try and blame someone else and win so that you can bury some of these cards yeah. and just get them, get rid of them. And there's also, at the end of the game, who the last player, to the, whoever takes the last card has to take the blame. So they take the glass card of the deck and then they take the whatever the current blame part yeah. is you have to into watch their hands. The draw so you have to really be careful as it gets towards a the lot. end. Yeah, you do. So, yeah, when we played this, um, it was... It was a lot more fun than we um, than I originally thought it was going mm. to be because it does seem very simple. Mm. And when we were talking about the Archer game, mm. once you go blackmail, that was the kind of the same kind of thing. I mm. thought um, 
it's just playing it with a few friends. Yeah. It's just going to be very fun because a lot of the time you are accusing other people and then... And it's less accusing when there's more... When there's three players and there is with two because we basically yeah. just have a turn and accuse and then you'd have a turn and accuse me and it was just going backwards and forth all the time. With three players, it was a lot more interesting, around. a lot more tactical, uh, a lot more depth with more players. I'd like to play this with four players. Yeah. I think it would. It doesn't go above four players, but I think it would work well with five if it would if the game had been built for that. Yeah, we'll have to but make our own rules. As a short, as a very quick game, it's very good. Um, definitely one I'd recommend and I would play it again, but I wouldn't play it with two players. I don't know. Three or four. I think it didn't work so well with two players. And at some point, we need to read what it says on the card. Because yeah, you, you don't need to read them at all. You don't need to read, but it's actually quite interesting when you read it. A lot of these are pretty funny. Contextual. Um, yeah. And then like this, one of the things you get blamed for is no arms for the poor. So basically, just not giving to charity. <laughs> <laughs> it's all things like that that we're getting blamed for. So um, at some point, yeah, it would be good to go through the fluff that's on this. But yeah. As a like you say, as a three-player game or four-player, it is um, it is very fun. Doesn't work quite so well with two players, but I mean, just for learning, it was pretty good. Yeah, it was it? good to learn for two, and then you could teach it. But I wouldn't play it at two. No. But for a three either. or four-player game, then this is, I think people will enjoy this. And, yeah. a, and again, it's only a twenty-minute game. Yep. So that is the game of blame, and uh, yeah. I think we would kind of recommend that, wouldn't we? Yeah. As a as a fun card game uh, to play with some friends. So thank you and stay meddlesome. Yes, stay meddlesome. It's a good game for being meddlesome. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Quest Report. And this time we're going to talk about Discworld Ankh Morpork. So, Matt, can you tell us how the game is played? Uh, yep, yeah, this is essentially an area control game, mm-hmm. which is card driven. So the way this works, each player uh, will be secretly dealt one of seven identities, mm-hmm. although one of them, Chrysoprace, is taken out if it's a two player game. Okay. So it's a two to four player game. Um, the seven different personalities that you might be secretly dealt gives you your objective for the game, your mm-hmm. way of winning. So three of those are effectively the same. There is uh, Lord Salachi, Lord w- Lord Rust, and Lord De Word. Oh the yeah. Ant-Mort Times. William De Word's William dad. William De Word. Dad. Yeah. So there is these three lords, and mm-hmm. it's very thematically based. The various objectives for these. Right. So for each of the uh, various personality cards. So in the case of Salachi, Rust, and De Word, mm-hmm. each of these are trying to control parts of Ankh-Morpork. Pork. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter which part, it's just how many uh, territories that they control. So they have to have the most minions in Most minions in one territory to claim control of it. Mm-hmm. And it's not limited to minions because your buildings uh, count. So it's mm-hmm. effectively just whoever's got the most pieces in one particular territory mm-hmm. has control of it. So if it's a two-player game, they've got to control seven areas. If it's a three-player uh, three game, they've got to control five areas. And in a four-player game, they've got to control four areas. And right. all of these objectives aren't at the end of your turn. You can't just say, well, I've just got my you know, seventh one and now I'm, I've won. It's at the beginning of your turn. So right. if at the beginning of your turn you've completed an objective, you can show your personality card and you win the game. And this is one of the main things about this game that sets it apart, really, is that your objectives are secret. Yeah. So part of it is trying to guess which of these secret personalities... Cause 
to the back of them it's just like a mystery guy mm. into so you're trying to guess what the others might have and what they by what they're doing basically yeah. you kind of guess who they might be i think there are i mean there are plenty of other games that with like hidden objectives mm-hmm. but what's quite unusual in this is because you've got to make sure you've completed your objective when your turn starts mm-hmm. you can't just go around to your turn and go well, i'm really close so i've got to go all out you know in some games you mm-hmm. you see people and they you know they're about to win because they've on their on a turn they've suddenly gone crazy and they've taken territories all over the place yeah you can tell and you what know they're gonna, what they're going to what, what they're, they're doing trying to do. on this it's a little bit more subtle because you if people know even if you've accomplished your, your objective you can still end up having a territory taken yeah. away so at the start of your turn you've you've lost that because if you've just got one minion yeah. and a lot of territory they'll just take them back quite yeah. easily that's yeah. right so that's uh, those three. That's Lord Salachi, Lord De Word, and Lord oh, Rook. Right, so these lords. Okay. Then you've got Lord Vetinari, the tyrant of Ankh-Morpork. Yeah, he's who amazing. Is amazing in the books. <laughs> now with Vetinari, he's not trying to get control of this of lots of territories, but it's again, it's more thematic to the way he rules Ankh-Morpork. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to get his minions in a certain number of territories, mm-hmm. not to control. But effectively, just to keep his information flowing. Right, They're like yeah. his agents. Because he's a very pragmatic tyrant, yeah. isn't he? Okay. He wants yeah. the city to work, and you know, he wants to know exactly what's going on, preferably before it happens. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's one of the things in one of the little phrases in one of the books, isn't mm. it? That um, you know, some some tyrants manage to know, you know, what's going to happen before, you know, very shortly after the event. Some even as it's happening, Lord yeah. Vetinari considers both of these to be lacking in ambition. <laughs> so, yeah. so for Lord Vetinari, he is trying to have minions in a certain number of areas. Now, with two players, that's 11 territories. Mm-hmm. Three players, it's 10 territories. And with four players, he's got to have minions in at least nine territories to win. Yeah. Then there's Chrysoprace the Troll. Yes. Mr. Chrysoprace is very upset. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear that from, from one of Chrysoprace's trolls. Though he is a legitimate businessman. I, obviously, yeah. Yeah, he, we, um, and we yeah. wouldn't want to imply... It, it, the Medicine Meeples do not endorse any negative views of Chrysoprace. It has to be stated, no, no. No, and he will be getting his protection money. Yeah, he will be getting his protection money promptly. And yeah. can I please have my daughter back? <laughs> <laughs> so for, if you're playing as Chrysoprace... I actually think he's probably the toughest one to play as, and mm. I'll tell you why in a minute. But he, at the start of your turn, you've got to have a combined wealth of 50 Ankh-Morpokian dollars, which doesn't right. sound a lot, but a dollar is a lot of money in Ankh-Morpokian And money. that doesn't change with the how many no. characters, how many so people So whether that's have. three players or four players, uh, that doesn't change. And that can be in, in dollars in front of you, it can be in, uh, ter- in buildings you own on the board. Mm-hmm thing is buildings can be lost during the game but i do think that i mean i've played this game many many times it is the most difficult objective to accomplish um so that's him then you've got dragon king of arms now do you remember dragon king of arms from um feet of clay i remember i really liked feet of clay but it was years ago that i read it dragon king of arms uh was the guy that dealt with all the heraldry and maintained the records of the lineages of the city yeah i've got the picture of when uh vimes went to him yeah Yeah. he goes a couple of times and it didn't go well isn't he like he's not the one that um 
poses all the animals actually like it yeah, has them well, all there he's got all the animals like the young or the royal hippos so he, he doesn't just imagine them he <laughs> actually like makes them do the things yeah. Yeah. so yeah. that's dragon king of arms now again this is very thematic if you're familiar with uh feet of clay without going into spoilers dragon king of arms is basically trying to create unrest in the city um so that people will go we want a king and this is what one of the recurring themes of the early city watch novels wasn't there that someone well, was trying yeah. to cre- um, the create a situation to, to get a, is a in king the <laughs> yeah <laughs> but in each case though although that's in this three books isn't there mm-hmm. the first three uh, city watch books all revolve around this idea of uh, creating this va- power vacuum or this situation mm. where people will say we need a king to save us yeah. and in only one of those cases are they thinking of uh, the king in the watch yeah. In the other two, they invent their own kings. Yeah. But anyway, we're going off topic. Sorry. Um, it's because we love the Discworld. So the Dragon King of Arms is trying to get these eight trouble markers. Now, trouble markers go on the board through various means. Um, there are the special ability of one discs. of the... Yeah. yeah, there's a special ability of one of the buildings. So if you've got the right building, you can start putting these down. But also they appear as minions go into territories where there's other minions so they can get caused by people wanting trouble to happen or if you move a minion where there's already a minion yeah. then trouble will just happen anyway yeah so, yeah so and certain effects will cause you to put trouble markers down as well mm-hmm. so so they will appear but it's getting eight of them to appear that's the tricky part and, and again that doesn't change how down, many players in the game people might know that you might be dragon king of arms <laughs> <laughs> they might they might get that idea mm. and then of course there is commander vimes Samuel Vimes of the Watch, old Stoneface. Stoneface. Yeah. Don't now, call him that. <laughs> in again, this is very thematic. Mm. He um, wins if the game if that you get a deck of cards that you, everyone's drawing from right. on their turn. If that deck runs out and no one else has won, yeah, he wins the game. So basically, so he's effect- kept the peace. He's kept the peace. <laughs> so he's time. effectively trying to stop anyone else from getting a power grab anyone else from causing unrest mm. uh, anyone else from becoming too powerful which that, is the kind of thing that you would do which, yeah, yeah exactly you yeah. know so all of these different roles and ways to win are very very thematic mm. beyond that and playing to your personality card the the game itself is the same for each other player in the sense that um, you have a hand of cards yeah. You can if you go below five you draw up to five, but you can have more than five in your hand. Right. Um and you just play cards and that the symbols on the card will tell you what that card does. And you can play more than one if you play the right cards that link together and right. some cards let you play other cards and all sorts of different things. And the cards are mostly people, aren't they? A lot people of them are people and places. Yeah. Um So that's very thematic as well. That's thematic. Now some of these, so the cards might tell you to put a minion on the board. They might give you an opportunity to buy a building, mm-hmm. uh, which will give you different powers and effects. Uh, it might allow you to assassinate another minion, remove a minion, move a minion. It might get, let you remove trouble markers. It might let you draw all the more cards, discard cards, you take money. You also have to have enough dollars as well, don't you, for a yeah. lot of these things. So that's pretty cool as well. You have your cards, but then you also got your little pile of dollars. Yeah, so it nice. could be that you can have an interrupt card that will stop someone else's card from taking effect. It well, could yeah, be a card that annoying. lets you play another yeah. card. It could be an unseen university card, which allows... Uh, chaos to happen yeah there's these chaos cards and that can be like floods or something or earthquakes they're generally pretty bad yeah Um, but it might be that it's bad for other people and good for you so that's what you hope that's what you always (laughs) hope so the 
actual gameplay is really simple. I mean, I've introduced people to this game and they've got it pretty much straight away. I don't think that this is a game that you have to like the theme to enjoy. Probably not. But it's hard to say, though, because like we played it after having read all the Discord books yeah. anyway. So. But I did. I mean, I got got quite a number of people to play this with me mm. and some of them like the Discworld some of them don't know anything about the Discworld, there are others I mean I've got it. Got one person to play it with me and he hates the Discworld genuinely hates the Discworld and it took me ages to That's get him to agree odd. to try this game it's kind of odd that you kept trying to get him to try it well the thing is I knew that he'd love the game itself so right, I knew okay. once he tried it he'd really enjoy it and that's exactly what happened when he did try it he actually said you know what I really enjoyed that and he was quite happy to then play it again mm. you know and... I've never known anybody to hate Discworld because it's like if you've taken the trouble to read any of it or if you know anything about mm. it and you're going to kind of like it I'm, I can't really see why people wouldn't but also if I can only see people being indifferent to it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, I think he, I don't think he enjoyed the humour in it. Right. It's not his style of humour. But I think also he probably picked the book up expecting it to be a more serious science fiction, sorry, more serious fantasy book. Right. And it wasn't. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I think that just coloured his his views of it. So right. he didn't uh, he didn't like it. Okay. But he ended up rather than just not liking it, he ended up absolutely hating it. But as I say, once he played this, mm -hmm. he actually really enjoyed it. I think right. it's one that if you don't like the Discworld stories, the the game itself is strong enough that you you were still going to enjoy this game. But yeah. I think if you like the Discworld or have some knowledge of the Discworld, mm -hmm. you'll get so much more out of this. Yeah. Because you've got the the various, as you say, the cards are people, they're places. And sometimes mm. it's like, oh, great, you know, I've got uh, Angora, I've got Nobby Knobs or the Pink Pussycat Club or, you know, Gimlet's Foul Dwarf, Ron. Delicatessen, <laughs> Foul or Ron, yeah, Cut Me Own Throat, Dibbler. Yeah, you know, well uh, people pull a card and get the peeled nuts and just start <laughs> yeah. laughing. You know, it's it's a game that if you if you know what the reference is, you are going to really really enjoy and get a little kick out of pulling that card out and playing it. And even if you don't, it still as a game looks great and plays great. It's simple to learn. It's fast. You can easily have the game of this completed in around 45 minutes if everyone knows how to play it. Yeah, actually, when we played it last, and the thing I really liked about it is that you and Heather knew it so well. Mm. It, it, the game just went really, really quickly. I mean, I it's been it had been a while since I'd played mm. it, so I had to kind of pick up the rules again. Mm. But because you guys were just so confident with it, that happened really fast. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that, it was a really good game. Um, and it works with yeah. gamers of... All different skill levels I find whether you are relatively new to gaming mm -hmm. you you'll be able to understand this and work this out and uh, and enjoy it and if you are quite an experienced gamer there's still so much to love about this game and to enjoy mm -hmm. I think one of the things that I like and I do like it when games do this is that you get your little um, reference sheets as well which tell you um, on one side in this case it tells you what each of the symbols on the cards do so you can uh, check that out before your turn. You've also got a list of uh, the personality cards, so you know what objectives there are, so you can try and work out what other players are doing. Yeah. And the city area cards. Now, the city areas, uh, each one has... You can build one building in a city area. Only 
only one person can have a building in a city area. Mm. But then for having that building, you get the, the card and it gives you an ability that you can use every turn. So you have a reference of what the buildings so, do on so here. So you can kind of look at these and go, all oh, right, so I'd like that ability. So I'm going to try and get to that location and build a, a, build a, a building there. And to build a building, you need to not have a trouble marker there. You can't have a trouble marker, and you've got to be able to afford to pay for the building. And yeah. you've also got to play a build, play a card with the building symbol on it. Yeah, to actually let, do the action actually... of the building. Yeah. Right, okay. So you can build a uh, building in an area you don't control, as long as no one else has got a building there and there's no trouble marker. Right. Yep. So this is a game, as I say, that, I mean, for me, this is one of my top games. Mm-hmm. Um, like, alas, I've not. I don't really make like top ten lists or anything like that. I think I once did a top twenty list, and this was most definitely in there. Mm. Um, and I, it's a game I can always get excited about playing. So one time we're going to do a comparison of different Discworld games, aren't we? Yes, there because are a few. if you like the Discworld, there are five different Discworld games. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the Discworld Ain't More Pork. Mm-hmm. There's Thud. Yeah. Which is derived obviously from the game the, from the book Thud. from the book Thud and the game they're playing in. So there. that's like, rather than being a board game based on Discworld, it's a board game from Discworld. Yeah, basically. So. Basically, uh, there's a little puzzle game called Clax, which right, is yeah. uh, like an abstract game where you're trying to get you effectively get your messages from one side to the other. It's like a semaphore internet on Discord. Yeah. <laughs> it is a really weird thing. It's it is. Cool. Uh, but it's also the subject of quite a number of, of stories or features mm. strongly in a number well, of the, the latest stories. Well, the Discord becomes more advanced as yeah. the books go along, which is an amazing thing for a fantasy book, I think. Then there's two other games. There's The Witches. Right, yeah. And the the, the other game is Guards, Guards. Oh, right, Discord Guards, Guards. Right, yeah. Which is where um, it's not as strongly themed. It's just... We like, have played that, haven't we? Yeah. yeah. It seemed a bit more like the early Discworld books rather than the Guards Guards mm. and those the City Watch. I books don't really too. know why it was called Guards Guards. It could have been anything. I think it yeah. was just this is a bit more Guards off. Guards than that. And yeah, so, more pork should have been called Guards Guards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although in a way, I mean this. The name of this really sums it up because it is Ankh Morpork. You've got all these different factions and different elements all trying mm. to do their own thing in their own way of getting power, or in the case yeah. of better not uh, um, Vimes. Mm to stop other people getting power. Mm. And it's just so well-themed that it really... I mean, obviously we've got to play some of those other games because we've not played all of the Discworld games yet. No, not all of them. But, I mean, as I say, this is just one of my absolute favourite games. It's just such a shame it's so hard for people to get these days. Is it? Yeah, it's... Um, there, there are copies that go for, on go for sale, but, I mean, I bought that from my uh, local game store a few years ago for like supporting the local game store Chimera in Nottingham uh, I'm not getting any money for that so <laughs> it is a good shop but it's a good shop and I've I love going there, there. Well. Yeah. yeah and uh, yeah that's it I take other people there so you know I'm kind of sponsoring them <laughs> um, but Chimera I got this for uh, about 30 quid from there and I've seen that's it amazing. go lately for 70, 60 pounds 70 pounds wow. second hand yeah. You know, mm. so it is an in-demand game and it's not particularly cheap by comparison to what it was originally, but by current prices and what you get for your money, for the fun value of this, for the pl- replayability of this... So fun this per is, pound. Yeah, fun <laughs> per pound, 
FPP. It's got an FPP quite high. Yeah. <laughs> this is quite high on the FPP chart. Hmm. You know, as I say, I, this is just a game I can't recommend enough. What's your final thoughts on this one, Richard? Uh, yeah, well, similar to you, I haven't played many of the Discord hmm. games, um, but this is definitely one of the best ones out of all of. The, well, it is the best one out of what I've played of Discord, and yeah, I um, I did enjoy it as a game. Hmm. And the theme does make it a lot better. So I can't really say whether if it had a different theme, I would like it just as much. Um, but I think it's just so intricate to it that it doesn't really matter. And um, yeah, if there's going to be a game based on Discworld, I would want it to be like this mm. with very minimal kind of what you need to place on the board. It just uses mm. meeples and stuff. And then a little bit more about the cards i mean just having a stack like this of cards all being different characters and places yeah. from discworld is just amazing yeah. and to be able to actually have some kind of strategy about how you mm. use it um, just makes it all all the more fun so mm. yeah definitely um i love discworld anyway but this is definitely um a good way of turning that theme into yeah. a board game so and Ankh-Morpork is such a good city anyway. Yeah. I mean, so many stories happened there. I mean, mm. for a while when I was reading the books, I thought they seem to focus on Ankh-Morpork a lot. And it's just that it feels like your home city yeah. of the Discworld, doesn't it, really? And uh, so although Vince Wynn goes travelling all, all different places, you do think of Ankh-Morpork as being home. Mm. So uh, even though it's very grotty and <laughs> crime-ridden <laughs> place, but... No, that but just makes it, for a fun game. But it's Ankh-Morporking Grot and Ankh-Morporking Grime. And <laughs> yeah, that's it, yeah. Uh, all the roads lead away from it. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so yeah, I would recommend uh, this one as well. Yeah, so, and on that note, you know, I'm even wearing my hat in honour of Pratchett today. Yes, yeah, that's it. So, yeah, we've already done some recording today while Matt was wearing the hat. and I'm not taking it off. No, I... I didn't really like to mention it before. So, yeah, good good that you've brought it up. So, yeah, <laughs> this is his uh, tribute to Terry Pratchett wearing the hat because he couldn't grow the beard on such short notice. No, I only had a few hours. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the Bard's Corner. So welcome to this episode of The Bard's Corner. It's just me this week as Heather's not well. She is having an operation this week. So we wish her all the best with that. First off, this week, we're going to talk about Snake Charmer. Now, Snake Charmer are kicking off a 13-day tour from this weekend, the 5th of May, right up through till the 27th of May. Now, Snake Charmer, if you're not familiar with them, was originally formed by Neil Murray and Mick Moody, both from White Snake. Currently, the lineup features Chris Alcy on vocals, Neil Murray's still there, Harry James from Thunder and Magnum is there, Adam uh, Wakeman... Laurie Wisefield of Wishbone Ash. So, a very talented lineup. That's going to be worth checking out. Uh, you can get all the dates and locations for that tour on our paradiserock.co.uk website. We've also just found out that FM are going to be playing two dates this weekend in the UK one at Norwich and one at Nantwich. So, if you want to uh, check, e check that out, again, take a look at our website for all the details. Now, we've looked at two albums this week. Uh, the first one is Warrant Louder, Harder, Faster. Now that's out on the 12th of May. It's six years after the release of Rockaholic. 
Robert Mason's on vocals, and the production's handled by uh, Jeff Pilson, currently a foreign, currently a member of Foreigner. Uh, he's played with Dokken, he's played with Dio, he's played with MSG. So what can we say about this, this album? Well, there are some good tracks on here. Uh, the ballsiest one is probably New Rebellion. Uh, there's some other good songs on here that's worth having a listen to. Perfect is one, Devil Dance is another. The real highlight of this album, though, is actually the power ballad, You In My Life. Now, that has the strongest vocal performances on the album uh, by Robert Mason. It's got some slick, slick guitars. Overall, I'd say that is hands down the best track you'll find on the album. However, beyond those songs, the album is overall fairly mediocre, fairly formulaic. We know Warrant can do better, it's a far cry from their heyday. I did get the feel from this album that perhaps they've not quite worked out how to incorporate Robert Mason's sound into the band sound. That's no criticism of Robert, he's a very good singer. It just at times, apart from You In My Life, didn't quite match properly. So hopefully that's something that, if You In My Life is a indicator of, will improve. The album just really made me miss Lane. Lane was such a good singer, brought such energy to the band, such an important part of the chemistry and the dynamic of the band. And since his unfortunate death and departure from the band, the band's just not been the same. So hopefully going forward, they'll be able to sync in better uh, with Robert Mason and hopefully get back to the energetic and catchiness of their early days. The other album I've been looking at is, again on the 12th of May, Harem Scarum's album, United. Now, Harem Scarum have sold well over a million records in 43 countries, uh, 12 top 40 hits around the globe. This album is their 14th studio album. That's quite a legacy, really. Does this album live up to the legacy? Well, yes, it does. United, the title track, opens up the album, and it's cracking. It's a great slice of melodic rock. From there on, it's it's just all in that same vein. It's all melodic rock driven. There's loads of great catchy hooks on there. Uh, they attract some of the highlights for me personally were Heaven and Earth, the power ballad, one of life's mysteries. Hess sounded absolutely fantastic in that song. Uh, the other tracks on there like No Regrets, Here Today, Gone Tomorrow. This, I think, is an album that will appeal to much more than just the Harem Scarum fans. But it is a trademark sound to Harem Scarum. This is, I would say, their best album since Weight of the World back in 2002. So, if you're a fan of the band, this is definitely one you want to check out. If you just like great melodic rock, then this is an album worth checking out as well. So, I can't recommend this one highly enough. Uh, we've given it an 8 out of 10, as I say. Definitely go and check that one out. Tiny Meeples Big Talk. Okay, now it's time for another Tiny Meeples Big Talk. Now, if you've ever tuned into CW's The Flash, starring Grant Gust Gustin as Barry Allen, The Flash. I sure haven't. You haven't? I certainly have. <laughs> okay. Now, viewers of The Flash will be very familiar with The Flash's claim at the start of every episode that he is indeed the fastest man alive. 
But yeah, is it true? Fast. That's what one of the things that we started to think about. And then we thought, well, let's take a look at who is actually faster than the Flash. Although this guy's a hedgehog, so it wouldn't really harm the claim too much. It wouldn't. But a quick check showed actually there are plenty of other characters who have surpassed his speed. Even in the TV show, there's been an... Uh, all the, the what, in the TV show? <laughs> <laughs> Even in that TV show, there's ones like uh, Zoom and Reverse Flash, Airborne, that have been faster than the Flash. Actually, yeah, and he's had it... to use his wits and yeah. sometimes teammates and other things to help overcome. So he wasn't using his speed. He was using. He his was wits. still using his speed, but he had he, he couldn't win on speed alone. But he wasn't the wits, fastest man okay. alive. But I, then we yeah. thought, well, let's just not look at a big list of all these different characters. Let's do something a little bit more different. So we decided to take uh, three characters and put them in a race to see who would be the fastest. Mm-hmm. So the three ones, obviously, the Flash. Yep, there's Flash. Quicksilver. Yeah. From the world of Marvel. X-Men. Yep. And Sonic the Hedgehog. Just to be a little bit different. <laughs> we thought we'd go with Sonic the Hedgehog versus the Flash versus the Quicksilver in a three-way race mm-hmm. to determine who is the fastest. Well, Quicksilver, there's a few, like even on uh, the films, there's two different like modern well, like, yeah, incarnations of him. Yeah, the Fox version of him is yeah. in the X-Men films. When he's the twin well, actually, of that. now there's only one version of him. Yeah, there well, was two at one point. He still was in the film. <laughs> yeah, but... I yeah, know he died. There's no longer a, a second version com- concurrent, is there? All right, so it's just the one that, <laughs> that listens to music while, while saving everybody. The yeah, Sweet Dreams well, one. He was the one I decided to uh, use as the... He is really cool. Yeah. I like that one. It was pretty good. Yeah. So I thought what we'll do is we'll put them in three separate races. Okay, because obviously there's different versions. So it's a time versions. trial. Not a time trial. Oh, but there's right. different versions of each character, isn't there? As you've yeah. pointed out, there was even two on screens in recent years. So we thought we'd take uh, the original Sonic the Hedgehog. The how, how, what? Master System? Mega Drive? Mega Drive. All right. From okay. the original Sonic game. We'd go with the, the original Sonic, um, the original Quicksilver, and with the original Flash. Now, was that the, the original Flash... Yeah, Isn't Barry Allen, no. We're talking now Jay Garrick. Yeah, okay. Okay, so we've got Jay Garrick versus Quicksilver and Sonic the Hedgehog for the first race. Quicksilver from the comics, then? If you're yeah. saying the original Quicksilver. The original Quicksilver. Okay. That's going to be the first race. Then in the second race, we're going to have the Flash from the CW series from the season one, okay. right up until uh, episode six, 16 of season two. Now, there's a reason for that. We'll come to that um, later. I did kind of find out some stuff. Did he lose his powers? No, no. Oh, okay. Um, so we've got the Flash from season one and most of season two. Okay. Against Sonic Unleashed. Oh, hey, Sonic nice. Unleashed game. Where is the... Uh, okay, that one. And uh, Quicksilver from the Fox film. Right. That's race two. Okay. And then we're going to put him in a third race, which is just going to be the maximum recorded speed of those characters. So we're going to have... So they can be the any fastest, incarnation. The fastest, uh, the very fastest of each incarnation. Right, okay. So the fastest Quicksilver, the fastest Sonic, which is the hypershadic Sonic. Alright, yeah. And the Flash again from the comic books. But well, the reason we're doing this is because the Flash 
has such wildly different speeds at different comics that it was good to put a couple of different versions of them against other versions of the other characters to see what would happen in each of those cases because it does affect things quite dramatically. Flash kind of time travel and stuff. Like <laughs> <laughs> just from pure speed. <laughs> well, it, it could. He can. Uh, are you suggesting he's going to go back in time and cheat? <laughs> no, no, no. I was just thinking like he's the it's one. A valid, it's a valid suggestion, but we know Barry Allen wouldn't do that. Well, he's just he's he's the one that started this whole idea off, and it's like he's the one that has wildly different speeds, <laughs> yeah. and it, there seems to be weird. Weird kind of physics that goes mm. on with his speed as well. So Richard, mm-hmm. and I know you're not massively familiar with all of these characters, but you are familiar with them to some extent. What would your yeah. initial thoughts be if we said Jay Garrick versus Quicksilver and uh, the original Quicksilver and the original Sonic the Hedgehog? Well, I would, I would have gone with Jay Garrick because for I first know, place. Yeah, for first place. Yeah. I think you could go him and then Quicksilver and then Sonic because Sonic originally wasn't incredibly fast. <laughs> I mean, it's like more later on, I think, that Sonic's speed became a massive thing because, like, you could smash those little TVs and get the, <laughs> get the uh, power sneakers and then go quite fast. But, um, but at that point, there wasn't, like, the cutscenes and stuff like you get yeah. later on that's got him, like, whizzing around the planet and yeah. things like that. Now, as for the other two, um, just purely just thinking about it, um, Jay Garrick was was he using the Speed Force at this point, or was it? Um, well, is that kind of what it's from? We, are, I'm taking Jay Garrick from the point of him without using the Speed Force. Okay, well, uh, that's a bit different then. Because it is interesting. He he does end up at one point of the comics. He ends up um, not having the ability to use the Speed Force, but he can still travel at super speed. Okay, right. So, and that's right. the that's the version that we're. I've okay. been tracking here. Well, in that case, then I'd say for that version, then I think Quicksilver would probably win. So you're saying Quicksilver, then the Flash, then the Flash, and then, then Sonic. Yeah, that's that's going to so be that, my. So you're calling final it? So you're going yeah. Quicksilver, Jay Garrick, and Sonic. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. going to be mine. Do you want to know how? I mean, I crunched some numbers here. What it's you didn't actually watch? The real list. science. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, science, I have yeah. crunched some numbers, right, and okay. here's what I found. Even without access to the um, speed force, Jay Garrick could travel at 770 miles per hour. Wow. Which is pretty fast, which just... Actually, how many? 770 miles per hour without access to the speed force. All right, that's kind of... That's a a normal kind of speed, though, isn't it? Well, it's not for me and you, is it? No, no. (laughs) It's not insane. It's not like... You're not getting into, like, relativistic things (laughs) at that point. So, in in that race between those three... Jay Garrick comes first. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then you were partly right. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Because second place is tied. Oh, is it? Yep. Uh, The original Sonic the Hedgehog could travel at 767 miles per hour. Okay. And the original Quicksilver could travel at Mach 1. Which is... About 767 miles per hour. (laughs) Right. So, yeah, probably would just about... So, we're saying that those two are going to tie. Great. Okay, so the Flash and then Quicksilver and Sonic. Yeah, which I think is a quite a nice, what nice result. What did Sega ever write down that the original Sonic <laughs> could travel at that speed? 
so that's what we found with those now on to our next race so now we've got the flash barry allen from season one right up to season two episode 16 of the flash mm-hmm. we've got sonic unleashed and we've got quicksilver is now. sonic unleashed the one where you could be a werewolf yes okay <laughs> that's quite a fun game yeah. <laughs> my little boy loves that game um my my oldest boy perrin as you know is is obsessed with sonic the hedgehog yeah the which is why we've got the little sonic and tails here yeah so we've got what do you think then Right, so I'm assuming the Flash can use the Speed Force. The Flash has got the Speed point. Force at this point, Barry Allen. Yeah, so he's going to be faster. Um, Quicksilver, we're going with him as being from... From the Fox from film From Age of Ultron. Um, no, not from Age of Ultron. You're thinking of the Marvel Universe. Oh, uh, sorry, from one. the Fox one. Oh, so this one, yeah, he is the one with the music then. Yep. And that oh, amazing, that great scene where he slows down time. That was incredibly fast yeah. because, like, people were just not moving, and he was going around the whole thing. And also, he, what in that other film, he saved everybody from the ex- explosion, um, and moved them all outside. So, which I'll have to imagine, like, being moved at that kind of force would do as much damage to your body <laughs> as the explosion. But it's... I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna. Talk if he that. didn't sort of support the neck, I suppose. But he did be... support the neck yeah, when he was moving he uh, her around. Who was it? Uh, Mystique around. Mm. He was always doing that, and I, I really like that aspect of the of yeah. the film because um, you don't want inconsistencies and things not, like that to not, be right not in, our, in the not, face. Not in our whimsical fancy. No. 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 <laughs> You suspend disbelief to a certain amount, yeah. and after that, they've got to. You can't just have anything goes. That's right. We've so, already kind of accepted that mutants can exist, even though it makes no sense in thermodynamics or, or anything like that. But and in this do, in this scenario, we're also exp- we're also you know accepting that that hedgehogs can travel at super speed. So yeah, yeah, and so, that uh, uh, that a scientist could steal all the woodland features. <laughs> There's a, there's a game I've played recently called um, Ten Second Ninja, and they're basically kind of taking off other games a little mm. bit, and it's got kind of a Doctor Robotnik type baddie at the beginning, <laughs> and, and he's saying like, "I've captured all your woodland creature friends, <laughs> all of them. It took ages, <laughs> <laughs> and he'd made them into robots like Robotnik would." But yeah, yeah, it's a, it's kind of a ridiculous world anyway. But I would say, I say they're all faster. At that point, they are. We are. Yeah. We are talking in each race. We're talking increased speed levels. Although, yeah. yeah, I'm going to say that it would be the same though, because I think it would be the same order of running. Except I would say that going... Quicksilver would be faster than Sonic. I think it would be Flash, Quicksilver, Sonic. Okay, interesting. Now, this is where it gets slightly technical, <laughs> in the sense that um, if we go back to the X-Men f- film mm-hmm. the scene that we already mentioned where time stops the guards are shooting and it makes people silver. punch themselves and makes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. now we can de- work out roughly his speed how fast he was travelling mm-hmm. from in that from the uh, from the bullets now that would suggest and so there's a guy that's done a brilliant uh, write up about the physics of that scene and the, the tra- trajectories and the speed velocities. Right, so you can work and it out. H- so, his, following his logic, it seems that in that scene, 
Quicksilver was travelling at around 20,000 miles per hour. Okay, that is quite a lot faster then. <laughs> now, if you took out... If you are for quite a number of variables, mm. it means that he was still going somewhere in the region of 10,000, 9,000 miles per hour. And that's, you know, quite, that's cutting your speed down quite a lot by saying, well, this could be this variable, this could be that variable. Yeah. So, taking that into account up until in episode 16 of season 2 of The Flash it was stated that Barry Allen was going at 2,533 sorry 2,534 miles per hour and that was his top speed at that point was that his top speed? at that point yeah oh, that's not great so in um and we'll, I'll make and I'll come back to that and again in He's a minute. So flipping slow. <laughs> 2000, so the guy that's the fastest man alive, two thousand five hundred thirty-four miles per hour. And again, at that point in um, season two, episode sixteen. Right. So, based on that, we know that Sonic Unleashed can travel at three thousand miles per hour. Whoa! So it's actually opposite then. So, so it's... Quicksilver would come first in this in this particular race, and then Sonic, and then Sonic. <laughs> And then the fastest man alive is slower than a hedgehog. Yeah. <laughs> now I love that show. I love. Yeah. I mean, it it is an amazing show. Grant Gustin portrays the Flash so well, and I think it's insane that he wasn't chosen um, to be in the Justice League film. And they've got Ezra Miller because Grant Gustin to me epitomizes everything that's good about the flash mm-hmm. you know so apart from being fla- fast apart from being the <laughs> fastest man alive at times but mm. he just portrays it so well and i love the way that that show runs and it's it's just brilliant it's it's got a lot of superhero show cheesiness in it mm-hmm. but it's not too much but it just it really gets you in the feels sometimes in the right in the feels so that's why you've been crying with a bottle of whiskey when i come around <laughs> yeah. here sometimes <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so if, in our second race uh, Quicksilver is first, Sonic Unleashed is second, and C- early CW Flash is in third. However, um, it by episode 18 of season two, he'd increased his speed dramatically to over 10,000 miles per hour. Okay, but still which not point, really as fast as Quicksilver. It depends, because we're looking with Quicksilver at a calculation that's between 9,000 and 3,000. Mm. So if we take him... to be going at his top... E- yeah. It seemed pretty relaxed in that scene. It did. Mm. So it could well be that he might just just make it into first in that scenario. But at the very least, he's going to surpass Sonic and push Sonic into third and move into second place. Okay. Now, now is where we're going to look at the maximum recorded speed of That's each of the three crazy. characters. Yeah. Right. If it's the, the Flash has done some ridiculous speeds in uh, in the comics, wasn't he? I mean, because mm. I, I was looking some of this up last night, and like sometimes he's gone so fast that he's gone back in time, like a, like I was mentioning. And I don't know if they have that as being like faster than light. I mean, unless he has something to reduce mass <laughs> and kinetic energy, then. I mean, that is physically impossible, but in the world of comic books, maybe that means he's going back in time. So, mm. yeah, I think there are some ridiculous speeds going to be clocked up for that. <laughs> this is a high-speed event. Yeah. So, predictions? Well, I would predict that The Flash would be the one where they would have written 
the highest speeds mm. for him because they want him to be seen as being the fastest man alive. And isn't that something where he, he says to Superman or he says in a hot Superman girl? Film, <laughs> he, says, he says to Hawk Girl that he can see, what is it, like a billionth of a second, a trillion? Oh. No, it's a quintillionth of a second, isn't it? You can see a second. At a second, that's yeah. it. And that's what that means, isn't it? Like so I was thinking something else. I thought you were going to say when he said to Hawk Girl that he's the fastest man alive and she mm. says to him, that's maybe really that's why you can't get a date. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you go around saying that to everybody all the time, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, he said so he said about the atto second, um, and that is a ridiculously mm. small amount of time. So he, that's what he can perceive. Yeah. But obviously, we're talking about what he can travel. So. But his perception is tied into his travel because his mm. perception is the idea of super speed is that your mind speeds up and your perception speeds up, so that otherwise you would just you would kill yourself because you your body would be traveling too fast for human reflexes and human thought to control where you're going so you just keep speeding up until you went into something and died because you weren't in control of yourself anymore the speed pro- process yeah. speed processes speed up so that you can uh, think relative to your speed well that's kind of what I was thinking mm. so, so just the fact that he said that means that he probably is traveling at ridiculous mm. speeds like physically, so and we'll we'll come to how ridiculous soon. So, mm. well, so you put in the that... flash at the top this time, are you, or in the middle? Well, I do that a lot, but I think yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. If for things I've written down, I would yeah. say it would be flash, then quicksilver, then sonic. I keep putting sonic down at the bottom because the games seem to be about so much more mm. than just his speed. Yeah. Whereas with the these other characters, mm. the flash. Like he is the star of his comics, yeah. whereas Quicksilver is kind of somebody in the X Men mm. universe. And although the speed is his thing, it's not like they're having to write constantly about speed all mm. the time. Um, there is a little bit more to the X Men comics than mm. that. So, just barely based on the purpose of each one, I would say that we go Flash, Quicksilver, and then Sonic. But I know you're about to read some <laughs> things that are probably going to make me quite mad, just from what right. I know about Minkowski Space Time. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so, in in first place for the all-out speed fest mm-hmm. is The Flash. Yes! It is Barry <laughs> Allen. Got, some, got one. Do you want to know how ridiculously fast he was travelling in that speed? Part of me wants to know, yeah. Yeah, well, there are ish- things in the comics that would suggest he's travelled at 13 trillion times the speed of light. 13 now, I was worried about him times. going about slightly faster than the speed of light, but <laughs> what, 13, 13, 13 trillion, trillion times, times the, the speed, speed of, of light. light. So, the speed of light is 300 million meters a second. So. Yeah, that is some kind of ridiculous speed. Yeah, he, he ends up in one comic where he's able to run that fast. He can tra- travel to different planets and things right. like that, and different universes. So he his speed at that point is genuinely not just the fastest man, but the fastest thing alive. Oh yeah, because a photon so, is the fastest yeah. thing in our universe. <laughs> okay. So he is travelling at ridiculous speed. So in this all-out speed fest, the Flash does come top. Barry Allen does win that one. Second, nice. it's not Quicksilver. It's not. It's not. So how fast is Sonic? <laughs> Hypershadic Sonic. Uh, oh, I he can tr- it Hypershadic. Yeah. Oh, it's no. Hypershadic Sonic, which means he's got all the power of the Chaos Emeralds, and uh, he's 
traveling and is traveling at super speed. Right. Hypershadic Sonic can travel at forty-five million times the speed of light. Pretty slow compared to the Flash. <laughs> it is. It is. But for a Hedgehog, it's pretty damn fast. Yeah. For well, as far as Hedgehogs go, he's 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 definitely getting all the girls, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. with, with that kind of speed. Well, he seems to just be obsessed with gold rings and chili dogs. Yeah. But I mean, he can get all of them. <laughs> then Quicksilver is obviously in third. Yeah. How far behind? Sonic and the Flash, do you think Quicksilver is in this one? I'm hoping it's a long way. I hope it's subluminal because I just hate all this faster than speed of light stuff <laughs> that's going on. Well, you're not going to like this then. <laughs> okay, no, I'm not going to like it. So, how many times speed of light can he travel? Well, bear in mind that Flash can travel at um, 13, 13 trillion yeah. times the speed of light, mm-hmm. and Hypershadic Sonic can travel at 45 million times the speed of light. Quicksilver's bringing it home with Mach 5. <laughs> I like him. So That's better. Mach 5. Like better. five times the speed of light. Isn't it? Speed of sound, sorry. Yeah, the speed of sound is yeah, alright. It's alright to beat the speed of sound. You just get a sonic boom and then... Yeah. That's cool. So if, we're not saying that Quicksilver isn't fast. And no. certainly in the films, he's been depicted as travelling at incredible speeds. Mm. And I say that... And it's normally funny when he does it. Yeah. And that scene in, in the Fox film where he's getting people to hit themselves and you know mm. when, he, when you see him travelling at speed he's effectively is stopping time isn't it and he's because it's going so fast because well, we see it from his from time. his point yeah, yeah what I mean is yeah so and that was just an absolutely amazing scene there was a, a scene early on in the Flash series as well where that was great like that because mm. you saw uh, Barry Allen coming into a uh, into a, a train carriage that was tumbling off the rails right. and you see him sort of coming in um, like up the side of the wall, grabbing people and getting them <laughs> out, and it slows down. To, and it just it just looks really great. It's a great bit, a bit of... They weren't playing um, Angel of the Morning, were they? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's something different. <laughs> you're, thinking, you're thinking of a different film, my friend. Um, but, so both of these, I mean, I, I really like all three characters. I like Quicksilver. I, you know, probably like yourself, grew up playing Sonic. Mm. My kid loves Sonic. I've actually got a Tails plushie behind me. I don't know if... Oh, that's why he's here. This is actually my tails plushie. Because <laughs> I, <laughs> my son's got a Sonic plushie, and I thought, well, I want a tails plushie. So you're his sidekick. <laughs> but <laughs> then, but then, I, then Heather pointed out that you know he's going to want the t- the kids are going to want the tails too, right? Because there's two boys and one Sonic. Mm. So I had to buy a second tails. <laughs> right. So okay. now my kids have got their tails, and I've got my tails. I remember being confused as a kid when I found out the Tails' name was Miles. Was like, yeah, <laughs> why? Miles Tails. Miles Tails Powers or something. Yeah. <laughs> why has he got an actual name like a normal yeah. person? <laughs> so, you know, I love all these characters. Um, and, and it was quite interesting to see some of their speeds. I was ex- I was surprised that on Ultimate Speed that Sonic came second. I, I actually was, felt that yeah. Sonic has done fairly well in this. Because in the first, mm. first race he tied for second with Quicksilver... In the second uh, race, as Sonic Unleashed, he actually beat CW's The Flash and took second place. And mm. in the third one, he's not only beaten, but well and truly and convincingly beaten Quicksilver into second oh, as Hypershadic Sonic. Yeah. Um, the Flash, I was quite pleased at the end that he won one. So we've got, in first place, we've got the the ultimate powered speed of The Flash so for the last race. He is sometimes the fastest man alive. Yeah. Yeah. He won the third race as Barry, well, Barry Allen's version of the Flash won the third. 
Quicksilver from the Fox film won the second, and Jay Garrick won the first. But the first one was so closely tied, it was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, the fact that um, Quicksilver and Sonic were about, were the same speed, mm. it was just incredible. To it's find just out. like writers playing a game of who can think of the highest number. <laughs> yeah. But it was just great that Jay Garrick. I mean, that would be a really great race to watch if someone ever took that and mm. and made that, wouldn't it? Because he's just sort of like slightly faster, but yeah. enough to get that edge. If you're watching it, you wouldn't have much time to eat your snacks and yeah. <laughs> so you know, this is again. I think. Um, I think what we've done here, we've not just looked at some figures. We've changed lives. Basically, I think we have, yeah. We've certainly and given Sonic some the respect he deserves. Yeah. Yeah, it's basically what we've done now a bit for animal welfare, really. Yeah. Yeah. No hedgehogs were harmed in the making of this no. simulated race. Yeah, yeah, it's a thought experiment. <laughs> yes. It's, it's like people poisoning cats. Yeah, because so, yeah, cats, if you put a cat in a box, it could be alive, <laughs> dead, or furious. Yeah, basically. <laughs> but I think my favourite out of those... Well, personally, my favourite will be Sonic because, like you say, we grew mm. up playing the games. But I think Quicksilver should get some kind of an award for mm. being fast but without breaking the laws of physics too badly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could it could just be that. I mean, it's, it's, it has been said that his max speed is Mach 5, but he might just not be bragging about it. I think he just doesn't want to tell the professor how fast he can really go. It could be that he knows full well that if he does end up admitting his full speed, mm. Wolverine's going to send him to China for Chinese food. Yeah, that, that's the kind of thing, actually. He'd be exploited by the other X-Men. His friend... We, are, got... we are a little bit worried about Quicksilver's well-being at this stage, yeah. aren't we? Yeah, I mean, he's got worse <laughs> friends than the others. Yeah. <laughs> that's basically the problem. Well, yeah. Sonic's got... Tails, Tails and Knuckles will always look after Sonic. They've always got his back. He's got an ever-expanding group of people. Flash has got the, the Flash, yeah. the Flash family, Knuckles. hasn't he? Yeah, got Flash has got Kid Flash and Jesse Quick and and Jay all the Garrick Justice and, League yeah. as well. He's got Batman. Yeah, and Batman would never kind of make him do something ridiculous. I don't think. Are you good? Oh. Some other people. He probably would, but just because he could. Yeah, he'd probably have some reason for it that will make the rest of the Justice League really angry and hate him for a while. <laughs> That's normally what happens. Yeah. <laughs> so, there we are. We, I actually really enjoyed looking at this because I say Sonic, like like you, you said, we grew up playing the Sonic games and mm. really loved the Sonic character. But I also really liked Quicksilver and you know, I loved the Flash TV, especially with the TV series, but I've always liked the Flash as a character in comics and in right, cartoons. Yeah. So yeah. this has just been a real great time for me. Again, I didn't care who was going to win. I just wanted to do these characters justice. And as I say, we've got Sonic came second um, in all three of these mm-hmm. races. One of them is tied, but he came second in all three. Um, and then everyone else got a victory as well. So it was Everybody had fun. Everybody had fun. Everybody takes home an award. Yeah. Apart I, from Robotnik. I didn't actually quite get that we were going to do it like this, but yeah, that, that's been good actually just to race those three characters against each other. Yeah. <laughs> rather than just talk about all the fast characters there are in the world. Yeah. In the fake world. Yeah. <laughs> Which and is multiverse. more real to us. Yeah, multiverse. Yeah. <laughs> of course, we didn't put the luggage into this race. Yeah. Well, so maybe next time. He can go Although he'd probably eat the, space. He, and he'd probably eat the other contestants. He would. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he'd wait so. for them to realise on their own and then he just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you for joining us for this. We hope this one has been 
again useful to you it's been and useful it's gonna... and informative it will help you in your life yeah that's what we're aiming for and it's it's on a, on the low scale of meddlesome but it kept it kept me occupied for a while yeah yeah, yeah so it's kind of anti meddlesome really <laughs> yeah yeah i'm not sure that was the intent but um no we'll try and get more meddlesome yeah we'll try and meddle more i don't know who you are but we're the meddlesome meeples and it's time to talk about books a very particular set of books. Welcome to Tome Talk. Now this week, uh, Rich is going to be talking about a book that he's been reading recently and mm. enjoyed greatly, and that's the classic sci-fi novel Space Ranger by Isaac Asimov. Yes, I'm going to talk about Space Ranger. Now, yeah, as Matt said, I've been reading this one recently. I actually read this one this week, and while I was reading it, I thought there's a lot that I want to talk about with this. Um... I had been saying that I was going to talk about some classic sci-fi and I know Asimov is like the classic sci-fi writer um, and yet I don't know if this is one of his classics or not. I know it's quite an old one. I've got a little Asimov collection myself. I've got Mm. about five or six books by Asimov but until you mentioned Space Ranger it wasn't one that I I knew anything about. Yeah, I didn't know about it until I found it in a bookshop along with its sequels as well and the sequels had such good titles it seemed to be named after places in the solar system okay so after space ranger you've got pirates of the asteroids mm-hmm. and then you've got the big sun of mercury and then the oceans of venus and there's the rings of saturn so it just it sounds so nice and like it is classic sci-fi we were talking before that like, this just seems like the that game um alien frontiers right. it's like and there is the asimov crater on that in there or something so um yeah, and what this is, in what is interesting about this is that it is from so long ago. It's actually from 1952. Wow! So yeah, it's five years old. Yeah, it is a. You can definitely say that it was a uh, a classic, and well, it was written a long time ago anyway. And that is very different to a lot of sci-fi that you get today. Yeah, because a lot of what we understand about the solar system has changed for one thing and also writing styles changed and one of the interesting things i thought about this is that it's pre star trek yeah and um it's hard to imagine sci-fi before that <laughs> before there was star trek and some of the things that happened to david star in yeah. this were so like what would happen to captain kirk <laughs> are you suggesting that um gene rodenbury got inspiration from this well, not Maybe. not just this, but he must have. Well, obviously, he would have read classic sci-fi, mm. and this would have been one of the things that he he would have probably have, probably, have probably have read. Um, it definitely would have been in the zeitgeist at the time, and it's. I've heard Star Trek been mentioned as being like a space western, just mm. the the way it is with them having the big open space, obviously of, of in the space. Series, yeah. yeah, and they're kind of wandering from place to place. Mm. Um, yeah, and this very much did feel like a Western in space, really. And David Starr was kind of a classic hero. Mm. Um, he got his abilities. It's not not like supernatural abilities mm. or anything. He's just a very heroic type guy with lots of 
uh, strength and intelligence, and it's very much implied that he got that from radiation. And <laughs> well, radiation is well known to be good for you, and it's, yeah, it's definitely yeah. known to improve muscular structure and brain function. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, it worked uh, wonders for Bruce Banner. Yeah, yeah, and he got his anger issues from that as well. Yeah, um, I'm yeah. not sure if maybe in later books. Um, hey, Red Hulk. David Starr would have that. Mars, oh, Red, Red Hulk. Hulk. Yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah, uh, so most of this did take place on Mars, and uh, that was one of the other interesting things I. I found about this was that there's this author's note which is actually from Asimov from 1970 mm-hmm. and it's basically about some things that they had to if he was writing it now he would have had to change because of our understanding of of Mars having improved by that point yeah that's yeah. it so um he's talking about the Mariner 4 because when this was first written we knew very very little about the red planet yeah well they wouldn't have been able to yet have sent an actual probe there Mm. there's only like what we've observed from our planet Mm. and i don't know if you know about the the thing about the canals but that was just a a a huge um misunderstanding basically it's a mixture of a guy seeing things and also using the word canals which meant straight lines but when it's translated it just sounded like canals (laughs) (laughs) so people just thought it was canals on mars and there's um, fissures in this book on the surface of Mars, and that's one of the things that um, that David Starr goes down to investigate. Oh, fish, uh, fissures! I yeah. thought you said fissures. I meant yeah, fissures. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I thought you meant fissures as in swimming around in the canals. On oh, Mars. right, you, no, no, just not, not fishes, canals. No, yeah. Well, we know there was some running water on Mars <laughs> now, but yeah, not as you, yeah, fissures to yeah. go down. Yeah, and. Um, I think that's similar to the canals. I think he's kind of mentioned that. We know a little bit more about that now. But mostly it was the atmosphere. So David Starr on the front of this book, he's got a helmet that only covers half his face. And then he's just got these oxygen tubes. And basically he just had to go out and then just get a bit used to breathing (laughs) the oxygen out of these tubes. Uh, Instead of just dying like you do if you try to do that. Now that we understand. There are some like weird scenes in shows and and films and things Mm. from sort of pre-1970 of and even sometimes at times beyond 1970 yeah where you it. get like uh, in some of the uh, jerry anderson shows yeah yeah they're just walking along just walking along yeah that's and it yeah and there's also um space what uh xl5 and yeah that's things like it. that with yeah wandering through space and star wars yeah the flimsy little oxygen masks <laughs> on an asteroid so which is there really can't be an asteroid probably an atmosphere there probably just found there the uh the one aspect of of Star Wars that uh, George Lucas hasn't retroactively changed in recent years. Yeah, I really hope he hasn't read any popular science. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's going to change the entire thing. But yeah, um, so yeah, if George Lucas is listening to this, mm. <laughs> yeah. we may have just given him ideas. We may have to buy Star Wars yet yeah, again. <laughs> we might have to. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there's the um, the atmosphere actually turned out to be ten times thinner than I thought. Yeah. The, there is no magnetosphere on Mars, so the atmosphere is just gone. And but apart from things like that, um, which you know perfectly understand, like that people's vision of what the solar system was like back then is a lot different to what it is yeah. now. I mean, now we've got so much um, greater understanding, and it's just been amazing recently when they sent the um, New Horizons uh, mm. probe over to uh, and had a look at Pluto. I mean, that's uh, it's just amazing how much we understand now. But in this, uh, as I mentioned, he got his powers from radiation because they found him as a baby in an escape pod. Mm. And he got 
lots of solar rays or something so that's, that makes you really intelligent and yeah mars is the main um they call it the bread basket in the sky in in this not just mars there's also some asteroids as well where bread there basket. are farmland not red basket no bread basket, bread basket. so it's Definitely farmland what kind there of bread parisian bread well basically they send the grain back Granary? And then they just make whatever bread they want okay. <laughs> on Earth <laughs> after the grain has been sent from Mars. So mm. that's basically what it is. So there's lots of farmland on Mars. Is the, is the bread red? It's Earth grain that they have right. taken to Mars Not to grow. Bread. No, no, no. This is one of the problems. There was bacteria on Mars mm. when they got there. It's incredibly poisonous to humans. And some people after eating Martian food, have died right? very suddenly. And David Starr is basically going to investigate that. And he finds a whole... Um, a lot of things on Mars um, that there are actually Martians, not just humans that have gone there. There are actually like native Martians who live deep underground. And they live this kind of inner life because they're mostly non-corporeal. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of pure energy. Yeah. And that's the bit that seems so much like Star Trek to me because, like, I could just really imagine uh, an old original series set with um, Captain Kirk trying to talk to these voices that are just coming out of nowhere, and that's what it's like. And then there's the the female voice is a bit more interested in him than the, than the male ones. That's so, definitely like that Captain is very Kirk Captain Kirk. Yeah. yeah, and basically they they help him out. Um, these Martians do. And this is the bit I really wasn't expecting. Um, you think a space ranger, that would just be him um, going around as himself. But the space ranger is like his alter ego. So what happens okay. is the um, the Martians give him this really good visor that kind of expands into a full suit that looks kind of smoky. Mm. And it's... Um, it's like laser proof and everything and it like hides his identity it protects him from all all kinds of things and like when he puts this on he's completely unrecognizable mm. so then he, he like becomes the space ranger <laughs> when he's got that on and uh he like pretends that he doesn't look that it's not really him and stuff like he'll talk to people and and he's saying uh yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to be there, but the Space Ranger has told me that he may make an appearance. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that. It's like the classic kind of superhero alter ego yeah. type of thing. So I think that's going to be quite interesting to read the um, the following books mm-hmm. and see kind of how that develops. And they follow the same character, do they? Yes. Yeah, yeah that's it. So, um, yeah, I just really wasn't expecting it to be that kind of superhero type mm. thing. And there's a, a few other things that I thought was interesting. Yeah, the fact that... Um, Mars was there for growing food and that's because I think this is set 5,000 years in the future which seems really far now Um, a lot of sci-fi that we watch will be a few hundred years in the future and that's when Star Trek is and yet the Earth's population is 5 billion you know, uh-huh. so it's gone down over time. Well, it just went up by less than it did from the 50s that they thought it would Um yeah, it's it's strange, um, and yet they think they need Mars and these other places in the solar system to grow enough food mm. to sustain a population of five billion. Now, as can as grow we more know, than enough to sustain seven billion. Yeah, yeah that's it. So, there's a, a few just. It's just interesting to see what people's vision of the future yeah. was, and 
just to see how we made advances that they didn't really foresee mm. at the time. And yet we don't zip around space like they do in this. But then uh, give us time. It's uh, it's not mm. 5,000 years in the future yet. So essentially so. they underestimated how much... Well, they overestimated our you know ability to study technology and our ways of developing space travel. Mm-hmm. But they vastly underestimated our need to sleep around and reproduce. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, that's basically might be what it is. But um, which I suppose, in a way, fits with a fifties kind of mentality. Yeah, yeah. Of, you know the way people were back then, um, mor- you know, morally, the way that the ethics were around uh, family life. Yeah, I suppose they probably wouldn't of... have anticipated such a, a surge in in the population. Mm. Well. That's that's a strange thing. We're going into some pretty deep discussions now, aren't we? Well, one of one of the strange when I've read Asimov in the past, yeah, uh, it was things like Foundation and uh, the Robot mm. books. I think, especially in Foundation, I found it a little bit difficult to relate to a lot of the characters mm. in that because they were such fifties guys <laughs> and stuff, and uh, the values were still from that time, mm. and yet it was kind of in in the future, and I mean now. I just see that as very interesting. Yeah. But when I was younger, it, that was a bit kind of confusing. It yeah. kind of detracted from the story a bit. Mm. Aside from the fact that the whole mathematics thing in Foundation is very strange. And uh, I was trying to wrap my head around how that could possibly work. And then realised it doesn't work. Just just go with it. <laughs> so, <laughs> And that's a bit of the attitude that I had when I was reading this as well. So, yeah, this is classic sci-fi, but also very much a space fantasy. Also superhero and also just a vision of our future from the 50s basically so. i do think from what you said and the idea of having this space ranger with his special suit and everything it sounds like the kind of book that if i'd found when i was a kid mm. i would have probably absolutely loved it yeah this is probably why i read this so fast yeah. <laughs> it's just it was it was incredibly readable and fast-paced mm. and yeah so the next one is the pirates of the asteroid so um and they that were the... combines two things that i really enjoy <laughs> yeah that's basically... of and thee <laughs> <laughs> yeah good words yeah but yeah they were the the ones who killed david Starr's parents so now that he's got his space <gasps> ranger yeah yeah well, spoiler he... alert don't drop some don't drop an emotional bomb on us like that without some sort of spoiler alert yeah i think you needed to get to like page 14 before you would have found that out but still sorry still, <laughs> we've just been getting to know this character and all of a sudden his parents are dead who mm. is this batman <laughs> <laughs> actually it's pre-batman as well. no it's not it's not it's not, it's not it? pre-batman no it's no pre-batman. that's all right then um but yeah it's pre-batman's um, emotional angst <laughs> yeah david star was brought up by the uh, science, what is it? The Ministry of Science or something. Uh, they sound but, like good people to raise kids. <laughs> yeah. Now they are a fun inc- and safe environment. Yeah, but they are incredibly powerful in, mm. in these. They're basically they basically kind of rule Earth. So, um, yeah, basically he is quite a powerful agent in and of itself, but. He is also the Space Ranger. So, yeah, Yeah, I just thought that was quite an interesting book that was reading uh, this week. So I thought I would talk about that while that was all still fresh in my mind. Yeah, brilliant. There will be more, probably more classic sci-fi 
in a while. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what I'm going to talk about uh, next, but... Neither um, do I. <laughs> you better get reading. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so thank so you. That was Time Talk with Isaac Asimov, Space Ranger. Richard approves. What about you? Well, that was fun. Let's carry on with the show. The Meeple's Alive! So thank you for joining us for this week's episode. Uh, We'll be back soon with more games to talk about, including Room 25. And what was the other game we were going to talk about? We haven't decided yet. I didn't even know you were going to talk about Room 25, so... I'm always talking about Room 25. A mystery game. Yeah. A yes, mystery game. a mystery game, which none of us know yet, but we will do by the time we come to recording, hopefully. It's not like we're short on games to talk no. about, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just get one randomly off the shelf after we finish filming and uh, and then talk about it next time. Yes, so we're going to go and do that. Um, please check out medicinemeeples.com for more audio podcasts and videos, and thank you for joining us. Bye. Stay meddlesome. Farewell, Quester, and thanks for joining us. If you wish to avoid the wrath of Greyskarn the Black, then subscribe to our show before you depart. Our fortress is located at meddlesomemeeples.com or join our banners by rendezvousing with us at facebook.com forward slash meddlesomemeeples, instagram.com forward slash the Middlesome Meeples or follow the flight of the mountain bluebird to at Middlesome Meeples until next time Questa farewell and keep thine axe sharp